doing today? Look at you coming through the rain. I just got back from the plaza location and I am, let's just pretend that sweat that I preached so hard, but I got rained on. Anybody here doesn't have power in their house? Still lost power? That's everyone down south. Plaza, they don't pray hard enough. They were whining. Can we welcome everybody online and especially, particularly with our whole hearts, the men of Lansing. We love you guys so very, very much. It's good to have you in God's house today. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you look cute in church today. You're looking cute. Okay, quit flirting and grab your seats. If you're brand new uh, to our church, we're so honored to have you here. Uh, if you made it out on a rainy day like today in the middle of summer, you must really need Jesus. And so you came to the right place today. Um, we're doing this walk through the Bible together. What we're reading as we read through the Bible as a church family this year, we're preaching passages that we're about ready to read or just read the previous week. And last week we kicked off, we kicked off Psalms, the book of Psalms, these 150 cries of, of the heart of humanity towards a God that cares. There's songs of adoration and worship that glorifies God, uh, many of which we sing in parts and places of our, our current worship. Um, there's also songs of, of pain and problems, where people are just being honest about the hurts and the heartaches of life. There's the, the full spectrum of the plight of humanity on display of our connection with God. And I love them. They've been speaking to me. I think this message is going to, is going to speak to you. Um, I, I realized the, the, I spoke on Psalms 1 last week. I talked about the trees that are planted and, and overcome every storm and, and that many trees fell this week. <laughs> they were calling timber like pit bull. And uh, that's an old song, but I'm glad I still got to laugh. But uh, in Psalms 3 is where we're going to be today. And here we hear this prayer that is personal. It, it is painful. Uh, David who is king, is about ready to lose his kingdom. Beyond that, he's about ready to lose his life. And he has this ability to turn his problems into a prayer, into a praise. And, and, and things begin to shift even in the few verses that we have in the lyrics of this song, in this poetic posture of prayer, where he says, God, this is what I'm dealing with, but I'm not doing it apart from you. And the way that it starts and the way that it ends are in the exact opposite direction, which I've come to tell you today, that if you came in here one way, you can leave another, that the grace and the goodness of God are here. And he might not change everything about your situation today, but he can change you in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of your situation. This is why we pray and why we praise, because we invite the problem-solving God into our very real issues and even into our, into our pain. Psalms chapter three, we're ready to go there today? By the way, I, I, in the summertime in July, I like to bring like a life-giving, encouraging, upbeat message, but this spoke to me this week, and I believe God's gonna speak to you. Psalms three, Lord, how many are my foes? He just gets right, he rips the Band-Aid off with the pain that he's feeling. How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, the talk on the street is, God, you're not going to show up. God, you will, God's not going to deliver him. But you, Lord, 
You are my shield around me. You're my glory, the one who lifts my head up high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep and wake up again because the Lord has sustained me. I will not fear, though 10,000s assail me on every single side. I'm feeling the pressure and the pain, but I praise anyway. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. And then he gets a little Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Strike all my enemies right on the jaw. How many just love a little prayer like that every once in a while? Break the teeth of the wicked. And from the Lord, here's my revelation, David says, from the Lord, that's my deliverance. He's my deliverance. And then, and then he asks this, he goes from pain to promise. Like, can I experience the blessing? May the blessing be on your people. How many here say, I'm one of God's people? How many here would say, I'm one of God's sons and God's daughters? And I might be going through some difficulties. And maybe, just maybe, it's the delinquencies of my own decision, the drama of this broken world. And maybe God is just going to use it as part of his divine design to get me out of a place of pain and into a place of promise, to go from broken and into to blessing. So I want to speak today how to pray through the pain. Not how to pray in pain, but how we're going to pray through pain. That you have a God that you can process your problems with and not stay stuck. Your situation may not change out there, but something will change in here. And some of you carried pain for far too long. And I'm going to let you know what's on the program today. That we're going through the pain. And we're going to be changed. And we're going to be renewed. And we're going to be redeemed through it. That what came in here as a wound, you might leave as a scar, is the testimony that God met you today. You might be asking, why am I going through this? Well, you're not going to stay stuck in it. God's going to use that situation to strengthen you. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary from, from England, brought the gospel to China, like the first one. And he says, at the timber line, it's at the timber line where the storms strike with the most fury. And that's where you find the sturdiest trees. The sturdiest trees are found. So guess what? If you're going through some problems, it might just be that you are on the front line of the faith. And there you can expect a strengthening from God even in your current situation. Can we pray? How many think we should pray? We're talking about prayer today. So might as well pray. Everyone online in the room, let's get our hearts ready to hear from God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in this church and with our church family and with our friends and our guests today. And Lord, we are inviting you. You're not a guest here. This is your house. This is your sacred place. We know that you live on the inside of us, but when we gather together, something can happen in the atmosphere of the room that can achieve your plan for your glory. And so we invite your glory and the goodness of God to meet us even in the midst of the pain and the problems we are facing so that we can experience the blessing on the other end of praying through what we're facing. We're not facing it alone. Jesus, you have faced everything on earth. Every single situation or struggle we could ever encounter, you handled it and you handled it in your perfection and you've given us that gift of righteousness in you that we are with God 
Even when we've lost our way, he's still with us. And so, Lord, I thank you. You're making a way to speak to our hearts, to renew our minds. And by your Holy Spirit, going to make this personal to our situation. And, Lord, I thank you. We're going to experience the blessing of the other end of this pain that we might be carrying in this room. Lord, we love you, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen? That was bad. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. Okay. I've learned over the years, when you're on the stage with the microphone, you just, you're going to get what you want. So I will work you for louder amens. Why are we going through this? What, what, what's the scenario? What's the situation? What's the struggle? If every single person in here would tell their biggest problem right now, many of us would probably feel better about some of our situations. Some of us would cry and weep with other people in their struggle. I don't know your pain of your family of origin. I don't know your pain of your current financial situation. I don't know the pain maybe even in your physical body. But I do know this, that God knows exactly what you're walking through and has already designed in what he called your destiny and your purpose to meet you in that problem. And maybe not eradicate the situation, but to strengthen you even in the midst of the struggle. So you don't have to stay stuck in pain, but you can actually make some God progress in your life. That David didn't stay stuck in this situation, although we'll look at it more in a moment. It was about a worst-case scenario that you could find. And yet somewhere in this prayer and in this praise and in this poem, he turns his perspective and changes his own mind and mentality about what he is facing out there. As the God said amen right there with the thunders <laughs> of heaven. Philippians 4, Apostle Paul he gives us this almost seems unattainable level of following God. He says, don't worry about anything. Man, I don't know about you, but that, that, that's some next level Christianity right there. I'm not going to worry about anything, but I'm going to pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. It says, and then, it doesn't say then your problem goes away. Then your pain is fully healed. No, it says then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds your, your mind's ability to comprehend. In other words, the mess is so great out there, I don't know how to get through it. But as I bring my mess to God, I receive back a peace in my heart and my mind. It guards my heart. And from my heart flows my, my life. So God just keeps moving me forward as I live in in Christ, how to, how to pay through the pain. Another title I had for this was how to surrender your struggles. By the way, your pastor loves alliteration because you remember it. How to, how to surrender those struggles. We just need to understand just, just basic human existence with God theology today. Suffering and struggles are a part of the human experience. Now, we are in this world not of this world. We have a citizenship in heaven, but we're still going to face some struggles and some suffering. It is not, you are not immune. As a blood-bought, Bible-believing, promise-declaring, mind-renewing believer, you're gonna have some struggles as well. But really, suffering is at the center of the Christian story, that we had a suffering Savior. So now we don't have to suffer for our salvation. That is the gift that we received. 
But as we are like Christ in this world, as he is, so are we. Not only can we experience his favor and blessing, we're also going to experience some storms and some struggles. Does everyone understand that? Why? Because Jesus was perfect, and yet he still cries. He still weeps. He still gets frustrated. He gets disheartened. He even gets overwhelmed. He's called a man of sorrows, and he's perfect. How many know that we're not perfect? We've got problems. Where do your problems come from? Brokenness of this world? Definitely. Other people's decisions that they made in their own free will? Probably. Even your own decisions that you made from an aggravated place, a sad place, a, a, a weak place? Yeah, we, the, the, all three of those things are at work to where we find ourselves in maybe, maybe a place of wound or a place of hurt or even a place of fear. There is a connection between struggle and success even in the kingdom of God. Rarely do you get the latter without the former that God actually grows us up through some of the things that we have to go through. And in Psalms 3, we see David in a total running for his life scenario. It is not his first time he's had to do it. He had a king that was like a mentor, Saul, that he helped deliver the greatest enemy into his hands. And all of a sudden, out of Saul's jealousy, he chases him down and tries to kill him. But this one's more personal than even a mentor going after him. Because this is his son. This is Absalom. This is Absalom, his, his son. He hated his father. Why did he hate his father? His, David... David, he absolutely went, felt like David went soft on one of his other sons. One of his other sons had forced himself sexually on, on Tamar, on, on, on Absalom's sister. And, and, and Absalom didn't like how David handled it. So he handled it himself and he killed that brother. By the way, like, talk about some family baggage. Y'all thought you had it bad. His son trying to kill him and take his kingdom. This is why God just wants you to be a husband of one wife, okay? Don't go trying to be a king out there, king. So David's got these problems. His son is after him, and then eventually they kind of make good, uh, but Absalom's still harboring an issue in his heart. So Absalom sits at the gate, and Absalom hears everyone, and Absalom blesses everybody, and Absalom wins the day, and he's winsome, and David's up in his castle, in his tower, and Absalom begins to win the hearts of the people, but not to bring them more into the kingdom, to make it about his own little kingdom. By the way, be careful who the gatekeepers of your life are. And before you know it, we have a full-on rebellion. There is a coup brewing, and Absalom's gaining traction and might just win. So David's got what? He's got family pain. He's got regrets from his past uh, decisions, and he's in danger of his own life being taken. And so he comes in verse one and just comes open and honest with God and says, Lord, how many are my foes? Why am I in this fight? How many rise up against me? Do you know what I love about this? Is that David doesn't do what many of us are tempted and often do. In our Western 2,000 plus years later since the cross, Christian American worldview, we like to soften things up when we speak to God. But David doesn't do that. He does not start with, oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's another psalm. But in this situation, where his current status of his heart is, the current pain point of his life, 
he has drops all the poetry and says, God, I've got so many problems. How many? I can't even count them all. Later, he tries to sum it up as, I've got tens of thousands of problems after me. And if you're going to pray through your pain and not stay stuck in your pain and let God process you into the promise of his goodness, even in the midst of something that is a struggle for your situation, the first thing you need to do is you got to turn up the authenticity. And if you get nothing else out of our time through the Psalms in these next few weeks, I want the people of Kingdom City to drop the fakeness and the falsities of how we actually talk to our Heavenly Father. There's something we've learned, like it's this Christianese, the language of the super saved, that we feel like we cannot come to God authentically and open and transparent. Why do you pray so formally? And trust me, I do it all the time. I'm a professional. Like when I do a wedding or, uh, and then afterwards, they always want me to pray over the meal. It's like no one else can do it. The man of God. This is his job. And so especially in those settings, I feel the pressure to wax so poetically about the pasta dish self-serve we're about ready to partake in. The Caesar salad that we're about ready to eat. I've got to bless the fruit of the earth and the foliage of God's good green earth. Why do we pray so formally? I think some of it's just our upbringing. Like when Jesus teaches us to pray, he doesn't teach us what to pray, but how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. The translation most of us had growing up was, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I don't say hallowed ever. I don't even say halibut. I like salmon, like also at weddings. Um, it's not a word we use, but we tend to bring that in because that's what we think it looks like to be mature in the faith. Do you know what being mature in the faith really is? Being real with your mess. Newsflash, God already knows what you brought in here with you today. God already knows the baggage. God already knows the brokenness. God already knows the situations of your own doing and what the world has done to you. And so you can drop the fakeness and just talk to your father. Jeremiah 29 says, then you will call on me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You can get out of your head when you're talking to God, and you can speak authentically from your, your heart. You can put your heart in to it. Why? Because you were talking to someone that loved you so much that he gave his son for you. And you were not only talking to someone who loved you first before you knew him or, or loved him, but you also love him. Have you forgotten that you were chosen by God and you received this gift of salvation? You made the decision to put your trust in him. Why? Because you experienced his love. Because he first loved us and therefore we love him. And some of the ways that we talk to God is not as if you were talking to someone that loves you or that you love him. Remember the very first time you told your significant other, I love you, I love you. I remember when I told my beautiful wife, I love you. Actually, once she said it accidentally on the phone when we were still dating at a distance, she threw in a love you and I said, hey, what? 
You go, girl. But I remember the face-to-face. -face. By the way, we celebrated 15 years of marriage last week, and it's only getting better because you're the best. And I remember I looked you in the eyes, and I, I crossed that bridge of insecurity and said, I, I love you. And then I went into a song, I don't know, it was Boys to Men or something. And I swear. No, I didn't do that. She would have said, I don't love you anymore. You're weird. But I said, I love you. And I put it in her court, and you just wait and embrace for what you're going to get back. Oh, that's nice. Oh, you're precious. Some of you have been in that scenario. Not me, because I'm easy to love. And she said, I love you too. And tears in our eyes, we realized like, hey, this is something special. You have something special with God. Some of you, you never grew up in that mindset or mentality because he's a distant, austere, and stern God. And yes, he is holy and righteous. Even David declares, I speak to you and you're in your holy mountain. But he's the God that came down the mountain. And he's the God that runs down the mountain to embrace the prodigal sons. And he's the God who put his own son on the mountain called Calvary to die for your sins because he would rather go to heaven and plunder it than go to heaven without you. And so we are loved. So what, when you're talking to someone you love, you can be real, and yet we shouldn't take it for granted. Like sometimes when I'm talking to Liz, and we're, yeah, I'll pick that up, great, that's right, love ya. You can throw it in flippantly. I think every once in a while, we just need a reminder that we love him because he first loved us, and we give it from our heart when we talk to God, and then we do it honestly with God. Psalms 145, verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth that you do not have to pretend any longer. Jesus, when he's talking about prayer, he's contradicting the, or contrasting the way that the pretenders pray, which are called the Pharisees, and the real people that know that God has loved them and they need God the way that they pray. He says, when you pray, Matthew 6, go by yourself, go away, close the door behind you, one translation says. I love how the message paraphrase says, it says, when you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production either. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted. This is so big, get this, get this. To role play, to keep pretending with God. Just be there as simply and honestly, I love this too, as you can manage. Do the best you can to just bring your heart into it. The focus will shift from you to God, and then you'll begin to sense God's grace. If I have to sum it all up to encourage you today, I'm going to encourage you with two words. Quit pretending. Because if you keep pretending, you're going to stay in the pain. You won't pray through the pain, and you will never see the promise on the other side. I love that, that, that directive from Jesus in Matthew 6. He says, shut the door behind you. This is what David had to choose to do as well. In verse 2, before he makes the shift off his problem onto the character of God, in verse 2 he says, many are saying on me, God will not deliver him. In other words, all the voices out there are telling me, this is the end. I'm not going to get up from this. I'm not going to recover from this. This is going to cost me everything. That's what everyone else is saying. And if you're going to really pay through the, pray through the problems and experience the presence of God, you've got to learn to turn down the noise. Because what do the they's really matter in the end? 
And I know it's hard. That's why I love Matthew 6. It says, like, be there as honestly and quietly and humbly as you can. How many know it's, it's hard to turn off all the noise? It's hard to turn down all the noise. It's hard to close every door. Why? Because even if you're alone, there's still your thoughts. And there's still that reverberation and regurgitation of your issues and your struggles that are causing you to spin out of control, maybe to become anxious. How many know you can't be quiet if you've got kids? You've got like 15 minutes of quiet before you pass out and wake up and have to do it all over again. There's just some places where you just do the best that you can to find that sweet spot of surrender to speak to God. A couple years ago on my birthday, one of the guys uh, on the team bought me the big over-ear headphones. Does anybody rock the over-ears? You and me. <laughs> and at first, I was like, oh, that's so nice. I put them on, I look like Dumbo. And I'm like, I'm not gonna wear those. I was like, thank you for this great gift. In my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder what these resell for on eBay. And, but then I found out about the noise cancellation. And guys, I barely, I almost wore them up here. Because if you're not giving me amens, I'm just gonna listen to myself preach for a moment. I wore them in the car driving with the family. I think it's illegal, but God said, go for it, young man. I got you. It's like, you just have to push that button, you can just drown it. You know, we don't have that for our soul. We don't have that in the noise of this world. So you just do the best that you can to turn down the noise, to shut the door. We see that in the prophet Elisha comes to the woman in her dire need, about ready to lose her sons. He says, you can go ahead and get everyone else can get their containers from the community. But when it comes time for you to experience the miracle with God for yourself, I want you and your sons, in other words, the only people really affected by this problem, I want you to shut the door behind you. And in that secret place is where the oil will begin to flow. There will be your substance and your supply. And that will be your salvation when you learn to shut the door. Jesus did the same thing in the healing of Jairus' daughter, the synagogue leader. When he comes up to the situation and he says, I think she might only be sleeping. The Bible says they were already mourning and crying. And now they begin to mock Jesus. How many know 2020 hindsight? Bad move. But they mock Jesus and Jesus said, fine, haters. Boop, push the button. That's so not what Jesus did. But Jesus said, fine, you can mock all you want. So I'm gonna take my three closest disciples and I'm going to take the father and the mother. In other words, get people that are for me and people that care about me fixing this problem. And I'm gonna shut the door behind me. And that's where the healing happens. If you don't ever find the secluded and sacred place where it might be in your car or your shower where you can come clean before God and cry out from an authentic place and drown out the noise of worries, who cares what the they says out there? Because they are not your protector or your provider. And this is where he begins to make a shift in this story. In verse three, but you, this is what they say, but let me tell you what I say. David says, let me tell you what I said, because I've been chased down by Saul before, and I've been in some bad places before, and I made some mistakes before. I, 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 I cost my family before, but I know where to get right when things go wrong. But let me tell you, God, but you are my shield around me. You're the glory, the glory in my life. You're the one who lifts my head up high. I call to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. And I'm gonna lie down and sleep. I'm gonna wake up again because the Lord sustains me. How many have had a sleepless night and yet eventually you fell asleep? 
And for some of you, that was 20 years ago, and you're still here. Why? God is a sustainer, so you might as well go ahead and sleep. Not in church on your pastor today, but you could go ahead and rest because your worry doesn't work anyway. I will not fear. Look at the change of situation where he quit talking about what everyone else says and all the foes that are against him. He makes his declaration authentically before God and says, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and cry out to the one that where my help comes from. It comes from the holy mountain and God is gonna answer me and God is going to bring his glory into this gruesome situation and he's gonna lift my countenance to get my perspective right again. I'm gonna go ahead and take a nap on this and wake up because God's still at work even when I'm asleep. And I'm gonna go ahead and say, I will not fear. How many know that is the exact opposite of how this prayer starts? I'm not gonna fear, even though there are tens of thousands of enemies against me on every single side. If we're gonna pray through the pain, you gotta come back, get back to the center. Because we begin to spin out in all of our own abilities to try to solve our own problems, but it's from that centered place of belief. In other words, this is really where your theology is formed about the goodness of God, not based upon what is happening around you or even what you feel, but based upon what you believe about God. He gets back to the center out of all the situation and the struggle, out of all the pain, and he gets personal with what he believes about God, that it is about God's glory, the one who hears him. He's the lifter of his head, and therefore he's choosing not to fear. Hebrews 5 tells us that Christ understands, sorry, Hebrews 4, our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings as we do, yet did not sin. He of all people knows what it means to face the enemy, even to the point of death. Though, therefore, it says, now we can come boldly to the throne room of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it the most. In other words, this whole thing is on God anyway. Because I, I didn't work harder for God to hear me. He hears me because he's my forgiving and loving and perfect father. And he only does that because of what Jesus has already done for me. Because Jesus walked the earth for 30 years to understand the plight and the pain of humanity. And he did all that without sin. While we still sin and create some of our situations and struggles and pain points for ourselves, And yet Jesus understands your plight. And he is our intercessor and mediator between the Father where he's seated on the right hand. So every time we share our real authentic problem, even when we create it, Jesus is up there telling God, you know what? I know what it's like, like to be betrayed. I don't know what it's like to make a mistake, but I know that we've already covered that at the cross. So you have access granted to the throne room of your gracious God, not based upon your performance or perfection, but based upon the completion of the cross. And so we get to talk to him just as we want from this place of knowing his goodness, even when we've done wrong. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. You need to remind yourself what you know about your God. It says, I can take a nap. I can lay down. I got my perspective right. I'm looking high on the holy mountain where God brings me my, my help. And there's 10,000 around me, but I'm just going to make the decision. I'm not going to fear. There's a whole lot to be afraid of, but I'm just going to choose not to fear. I think suffering is actually unbearable if you aren't certain that God is with you and God is for you. Like you will not be able to overcome 
the suffering in this world until you get a theology that is framed about that God is with you and God is for you and God has the ability to do something in your situation that you could not do in your own strength. I'll just tell you today that God did not bring you into the deep waters to drown you, but to cleanse you. God did not allow the shaking around you to occur so that you would fall over, but to put you on a firm foundation. Hebrews 13 says, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you so that you can say with confidence. See how David goes from fear to confidence that the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Now, this doesn't mean that people can't cause you pain. How many know that ain't true? This doesn't mean that we can't cause other people pain, and this doesn't mean that we don't create our own problems. This just means in the perspective shift that the author of the Hebrews has here is the same one that David held to. It doesn't matter how many are against me if God is for me. It doesn't matter what the problem is if I know who the solution, where the solution lies. And this is where we see the shift in David's David's prayer of pain. He says, he's my shield that I can hide behind. He's my identity that I find out who I really am. He's my focus. I got my head up on the holy mountain in my time of need because my faith is in him and he is a helper. He is my security and my strength that watches over me in every life storm. He is my victory even over impossible circumstance. He is the blessing and the favor of my life. He is my prince of peace in times of problem and he's always with me. David just finds out again who God is. He comes authentically and open with the struggles in his situation. He gets alone and isolates all the noise of all the voices of discouragement out there and just begins to give God his voice so he can hear back God's voice. And in verse 7, everything changes. All right, God, that's what I'm dealing with. This is what I believe about you. Arise. I'm ready to see you get to work. Deliver me, God. I, I need you in this situation. I cannot do it apart from you. And then he just gets brutally honest. Go ahead. Punch him in the jaw. God, handle it however you want to handle it. And verse 8, I love verse 8, particularly how verse 1 starts. Lord, I got a lot of problems, tens of thousands. This is real painful, God. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this, but that's what I know about you. Over the years, I've learned that you're with me. I can lift my head up high because I have a God that helps. I'm not gonna fear, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose, I'm gonna make the decision not to be afraid because I'm trusting you to handle this. I would like you to punch him but you handle it how you want. And then he goes into what? He goes to, you're my deliverance. This is part of love. May your blessing be on your people. Not, oh, if I could just get one more day, get through. No, I, can I just get enough, God, to get out of this? No, I'm actually gonna ask for your blessing. And not just for me, but your blessing be on your people. I have a revelation, God, that you are a blesser, that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you, that you are a promoter of those that put you first, that you honor those that honor you, 
that when I sacrifice and surrender for your glory, I will see your glory in my life, that I never come in second by putting you first. God, would you bring your blessing? He goes from broken and no way forward to blessing and ultimately redemption. And this is a big one. And for some of you, this is going to challenge your thinking. But my final thought on how to pray through the pain and don't stay stuck in that pain is to begin to ask bigger. Not just enough to get by another day. I'm not talking about your resource. I'm talking about your inner belief in the goodness of God. Maybe for you it is a financial crisis. Ask bigger. Maybe you're just believing to be at peace with your relatives uh, or a, a relationship in your life. Ask God for total redemption of that broken situation. That there's something about our mindset that we try to minimize and just get by with the crumb from the king's table. When the Bible says that he will get there in a few weeks in, in Psalms itself, that we are seated at the king's table, even in the presence of our enemies, that he has more than enough blessing and fulfillment and favor, not just to get you through one more day of pain, but to get you through the pain, to experience the promise of the goodness of God, to ask more or to believe for more. I was speaking to a pastor mentor in my life, really a father in the faith, couple months ago, I was in a situation, and I was like, I don't know, I'll wait through this. He's like, Kyle, honestly, I don't know either. This is, this is a tough one. It's not really what you want to hear from a guy that you're coming to for advice, but then he gave me better advice. Instead of how to fix the problem that is unfixable apart from God going to work, he said, punch the devil back. He said, you know what you should do? You should preach louder and win more souls and, and, and encourage more people worship with more passion. You should take more ground because for whatever reason, and this is not me talking about me, this is me talking about you. You are a threat to the enemy. This is why you're experiencing the attack of the enemy. And if you would be on the offensive instead of the defensive, you would put the enemy on the run. And that's what happens in this story. That God does not have to punch Absalom in the face. He gets hung up by his own hair. God delivered David and reestablished his kingdom and he finishes it all off with, even though he was not perfect, that he served God in his generation. And by the way, what you're going through is not gonna stop you from fulfilling your calling and destiny in your generation. Sometimes you gotta just fight back against the storm and let God settle everything else according to his, his plan. Jesus was asked this crazy kind of trick question. It's in Mark's gospel, I'm sorry, John's gospel, um, the ninth chapter, these people come to him, they bring a blind man and said, okay, God, or sorry, okay, Jesus, um, was it his parents' sin or was it his own sin to why he's been blind? Is it someone else's decisions? Is it circumstances of life? Why does he have this problem? And Jesus says, neither. This is so that the glory of God could be this is a, okay, we're going to go somewhere deep for a second. Just listen. This is maybe what you're going through that might be the family you were born into, other people's baggage, the brokenness of this world, or your own bad, let me say it, sinful decisions have got you in a struggle and a painful place. Of course, you need to repent. Of course, you need to ask for forgiveness. But just maybe some of the things that we experience in this human condition of pain 
and suffering and struggle and sin where we still want to see the goodness of God, just maybe Jesus shows up and we say, God, I don't know how or why or what, but I'm going to bring this to you. And when Jesus shows up, he says, you know what? It doesn't matter how it happened. Let me show you. This is so that the glory of God could be seen in your scenario. This is for the glory of God, for God to get the credit because he's the one that deserves all the honor and all the praise. I see a parallel in the New Testament of this kind of painful prayer place. It's in the life of Jesus. In fact, at the end of the life of Jesus, before the cross, Jesus is in a scenario of unbelievable isolation. In fact, he tried to bring some people with him and they fell asleep on him. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, which in that garden, he will say yes to God. We're in the Garden of Eden and Adam said no. He's gonna right the wrongs of humanity and his obedience in this moment, the cross is just the proof of that obedience. This is where he died to self. In fact, three times, this is why you can be honest and open with God. Three times Jesus said, no, I don't want to. Take this cup, God. Second time, God, I don't, I don't want this. Thirdly, God, this is too much. Nevertheless, he made a decision of the will. Nevertheless, it's not what I want. God, what do you want? Nevertheless, it's not my plan. God, it's your plan. It's your will be done in my life. And he tasted death and defeat and took it all down. He drank the cup of the wrath of God for all of our sin and our shame. And so even though we're going to make mistakes and we're going to cause problems and we're going to go through pain, we do not have to drink of that cup. We have the overflow of the victory of which we now have in Christ Jesus. That we can give God the glory even when we're going through a difficulty. Because the truth is he saw you in Gethsemane and said yes to you by saying yes to the cup. And so David, long before Jesus, just makes this decision. God, I'm going to praise you in spite of the pain. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be authentic before you. I'm going to drown out what everyone else is saying. God, let me tell you what I say about you. And God, I want to hear back. And David did not stay stuck in that place of pain, but kept on leading in the kingdom for the future. I don't know what your pain point is. I don't know what your crisis is. I just know that because of the cross, you have victory in your life. If you would get authentic and open with your God, if you would say it just how you feel it, and don't try to wax it poetically, but just let him open and honest into your heart and into your life. And then from there, you make some decisions about what do you know about your God? Is he good or is he not? Is he faithful or is he not? Is he just or is he not? Is he perfect or is he not? Does he care about you or does he not? I'll tell you what you'll find out in those kind of sequence situations is a sequence that will strengthen your faith which you know because he's given me Christ he's given me everything I need to live for him because he is a good God he's already handled all the grime and the sin and the shame and it is buried in the tomb but Jesus is alive and the same power that raised him from the dead lives in me so even though as believers we go through suffering and struggle and pain we don't stay there because resurrection power is ours and whether God chooses to bring that power in now or in the near future or in eternity, it doesn't matter. This is why the Apostle Paul can say something that's so hard to comprehend. He says these light and momentary afflictions attain for us a glory that far outweighs it all. That we're not just thinking about getting through another day. We've got God's glory to show up and magnify to the goodness of God to the world around us. This is why we punch back. 
that when you're in a moment of pain, invite your friend to church, share the gospel with someone. Forgive someone before they say, I'm sorry. Let's leverage our life and don't shrink back in intimidation and fear. Let's step into a season that on the other end of what we feel like I'm being assailed on all sides by tens of thousands. No, I'm going to make a difference for God because ultimately, God, we're going to see your blessing in the land of the living. What's your pain? I don't know. God knows. And when you give it to him, he's going to show up in your situation. And whether he eradicates the issue or he strengthens you through it, at the end of it all, he gets the glory and he gets the praise because he's going to work in your life. Why don't you stand your feet? I want to pray for you. If you came in here with a burden, you're definitely not alone. If you came here with a brokenness, you're not alone. If you came here with a struggle, you came in here with pain, you're not alone. Not only are you in a room full of people that can understand maybe some of what you're walking through, you have a Savior that knows exactly what you're facing. He faced it all with perfection, and he's already defeated, even, listen, the circumstances on the other end of our own decisions. There's victory for you. So let's receive that today. In your own posture, if you're watching online or on Lansing, why don't you just take a moment, eyes closed, eyes open, doesn't matter to me, you just find your sweet spot, that secret place, as if you're the only one in the room and you're just in the audience of the King as you boldly enter his throne room of grace. And just tell him what you're walking mumble it under your breath. You don't need to say it loud, but just be open, be honest, be transparent with him. Say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. This is my struggle. This is my situation. This is my circumstance. Now, just shift for a moment into what do you believe about your God? God, I believe you're good. I believe you're not done yet. I believe that there was anxious nights before, but I still fell asleep eventually, that I'm going to go ahead and choose to sleep. I'm going to choose to surrender. I'm going to choose to lift my perspective to where my help really comes from. And I'm going to ask you, God, to go to work in this situation. And ultimately, through this, God, like only you can, would you redeem it? Would you work all things together for good? Because I love you. I'm talking to someone I love, and I believe someone is talking back to me, God, a God that loves me. Lord, I'm asking you not just for a little bit to get by. I'm asking for your blessing to show up on your people. And so, God, I'm praying through this pain into the promise of your reward of heaven in my life. And I will not stop believing, even in the midst of adversity and battles, that your blessing and your goodness and your grace is with me. And if you are for me, which you've proven at the cross, then who can be against me? Kingdom City, as we begin to pray through the pain, you will begin to experience the presence of a very real God. You're going to experience his love and his peace. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you'll begin to experience the step forward into destiny and purpose again. As we choose not to fear what we are facing, but we honor and revere God to face it with us and face it for us. Jesus, I pray your goodness and your grace, the great mediator between heaven and earth, meet with us. We give you our issues and we give you our struggles and we give you our pain. And we thank you for the promise that you're with us, who or what could be against us. And so Lord, we came in here limping, but we're going to leave here leaping because we made a decision. We will not fear what we are facing. We are going into our future with our Heavenly Father at work, fixing the issues, the situations and the struggles that concerns us. You will perfect that which concerns us. And where they're at, 
the story of their life. There might not be a chapter that they love, but Lord, I thank you that you're turning the page. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, you know how the story ends, and it ends with, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It ends with the reward of heaven. It ends with the blessing and the favor of God. And so we're going to trust you in the middle of the issue, knowing that at the end it will go well for us because of your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, God, heal your people, encourage their hearts, set the captives free. I thank you that wounds are becoming scars that show the goodness of God. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus chose you. The pain, the shame, the hurt, the heartache that he did not want, but he wanted you more. You were what he saw on the other end, and so he despised the shame and he took on the cross. said, I would rather go to hell for you than go to heaven without you. If you don't have that relationship, today's your day of new beginning. And I'll just say this, you can try to make all sorts of sense of your life and it will never add up until you put Jesus at the foundation. Until he is first in your life, everything will be in disarray. And so maybe for you, you're coming back to faith today. Maybe you as a brand new beginning. We're going to pray a prayer all together as one big family very best part of church is this moment of surrender and this moment of salvation but you got to choose it for yourself if that is you and you say Kyle I need a new beginning with Jesus God I need you today are you saying I, I need to receive the gift of grace for the very first time with no one looking around I'm not going to make you come forward I'm just going to pray all together we're going to pray together as one family but if that is you listen this is big time this is eternal this is the greatest decision of your life if you need a fresh start with Jesus Jesus lift up your hand and say Pastor Kyle that's me that's me that's me one of you, there's two of you, that's awesome, there's three of you, four of you, five of you, six, that's awesome, that's awesome, I might have missed your hand, I see you in the very back, that's awesome, God saw your heart, and now we're going to pray this prayer of new beginnings, this prayer of salvation all together as one family, can we all say this together, we can turn our countenance up, the glory and the lifter of our head, we can look at God, and we can smile, because this, this is the best thing ever, right, it's what we believe. All of heaven celebrates and so do we. But let's say this prayer with our friends. Say this with me. Say, dear God, I need you. I have to have you. I was separated, far from you, trapped by sin, covered in shame. But you sent Jesus from the glory of heaven. But you sent Jesus heaven to the grind of earth. He understands what I'm walking through. He handled it perfectly in his perfection. He was nailed to the cross. So sin and death are defeated. In his glory, he rose from the grave. So I can have victory. I turn from my old life. I give you my whole heart. I am a believer in Jesus. I am forgiven. My salvation's paid for. My future's secure. From this moment on, Jesus, you're first in every area of my life. It's his name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate everyone that prayed that prayer?